0: Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Parker Humphreys. It was a massive weekend for football and non-football reasons. <laughs> Feel like we're both still recovering. <laughs> I was at Mighty Hoopla in London. You were on like a five day anniversary bender. Yeah.
1: I mean, how? There's no better way to celebrate your anniversary than going on a massive bender. Um, <laughs> Famously, that's what people do. <laughs> I went to a vineyard for a wine tour. Wow. Um, I just chilled around Worthing. I went to Worthing's only gay bar. Um, scarred from the experience. And I'm scarred from the experience. It was run by these like. 50-year-old women who had no teeth. They had, like, one tooth between them. There was, like, five people there. What was it called? It's called JDs, because that's their initials. Right, okay. I can't remember what the J one was called, but the D one was called Donna. She made me dance with her for, like, uh, three minutes, like, old-fashioned dancing style. Like ballroom? Yeah, I felt like fresh meat. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, people... (laughs)
0: <laughs> this isn't me bigging
1: me up it was just that I'm 30 years younger than them but it felt like they were licking their lips it's like oh, me, and, me and Zan walked in and Zan just didn't save me she just videoed me dancing with this woman anyway ha- then we went and did karaoke last night and I got drunk again
0: have you ever seen Inside Number 9 because that 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 feels like something from that show, which is like very dark, made by the guys that did League of Gentlemen. Steve Pemberton, right? Yeah. And it's very dark, twisted humor Mm. and always ends in some kind of tragedy. And that feels like an episode of Inside Number Nine, where both you and Xana are murdered Murdered. by this (laughs) duo that run this (laughs) game. Or like kidnapped and taken home. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I escaped. Um, But I'm not sure if I'll go back.
0: But the vineyard looked really nice. I like you were in Italy, not. Well, I also tricked
1: everyone. I well, I tricked some people. I posted a picture of me in the bar at the end of Worthing Pier and tagged it as the Maldives. And then someone I know just walked into the bar and she was like, "I just watched your Instagram story and I thought you were in the Maldives." (laughs) I
0: was like, "What the fuck?
1: You're in Worthing. Like you know what this place looks like. You're literally in the same bar as me." Um, But I tricked multiple
0: people apparently.
1: Wow. So there we go, Worthing, the Maldives of England. <laughs> where, where was the vineyard? The vineyard was just outside Worthing.
0: Oh, very nice. So, Right, we've heard about Jesse's hectic weekend. Becky, give us the breakdown in Eindhoven because I know you were staying in Amsterdam. It felt like from our side that loads of people were in town for the game. But tell us, what was it like in Eindhoven for the Champions League final?
2: Yeah, it was fun. Um I don't know how many people who are from Eindhoven maybe knew that the game was on. Um, It was difficult to judge on the train over from Amsterdam because it was also Utrecht Pride the same day. So the train was full of gays, just full to the brim of gays. Um, And we just couldn't tell who was gay for the football and who was gay for Pride. Um, We did make friends with some Dutch people on the train who were going to bride, um a couple and then this older man who was absolutely fantastic he was wearing leather shorts um and we were asking him about utrecht and also about eindhoven um i didn't know this i don't know if anybody else knew this and if i'm just being dumb that the psv team was started from um people that worked at the phillips Um, factory and you may think that Paris is the city of lights but this man was telling us that actually it's Eindhoven Um, and we didn't have time to go to the Phillips Museum to learn all about light bulbs and we were actually quite sad about it Um, but football wise we got there, it was like um, it was fun it was a busy day Um, and yeah I ran into a few people that we knew um, and it was, it was a great ground. I know there was like a lot of questions on the capacity of it, but I love a ground that you can walk to from the city centre. Maybe I just have horrible flashbacks from last year where we got stuck outside the Juventus Stadium, which has like zero viable um, train links or bus links or literally anything. Um, but we walked there and it was lovely. Um, and I think on the like uh, capacity conversation that was happening before I didn't I wasn't really thinking about it when we were there and maybe this is kind of a good thing but I think it was like probably the first time that I've been to a women's football match recently that's been sold out and been really full and not thought that anything of it really like I wasn't thinking wow this is amazing I was just like yeah this is this is normal now it didn't really cross my mind that it was something to think about um I loved the ground it was a great ground so Uh, Apologies to UEFA because I was also slagging them off being like, 35,000, that's not that many! But I actually really loved it. Um, The atmosphere in the ground was great. I was unfortunately in the Wolfsburg end, which also happened to be the end that zero goals were scored in. Um, So we were sat in the baking sun and all the goals were really far away, so that did kill my vibe a little bit. But other than that, it was a lovely day. Um, The Barcelona fans were in the opposite corner to us and they did look rowdy as hell. Um, But yeah, we were in the, we were in the Wolfsburg end, which was a bit sad in the end. But other than that, it was a great day. Um, So yeah, lovely stuff really.
0: Right, Jesse, what an incredible comeback from Barcelona. On last week's preview show, we talked about how Wolfsburg might approach this game and whether they were going to try and kind of be stubborn and organised and perhaps try and push it and force it to extra time. They actually just went all out attack and went for it and almost like a cricket match tried to build an early lead <laughs> and see if they could hold on. But I don't think. Any of us really saw that coming, did you? No, um,
1: I didn't see it coming. The only thing that kind of t- took away my enjoyment of it was that there felt like there was still no doubt in my mind that Barcelona would come back. Um, I'm sure if you're a Barcelona fan, you didn't feel like that. And I also like said last year at the Lyon game, I was like, Barcelona are going to come back and win this. And obviously they didn't then. But I was right at this time. Even a stopped clock is right twice a Champions League final. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it, the thing the thing for Wolfsburg was was that obviously they did build an early lead, but if we're taking the cricket analogy, they needed to then bring in kind of their like night watchman to hold onto the lead, and they just had no ability to actually defend. It was like they'd all had their switch flicks, so they could only attack. And I think also even the lead was a bit. <laughs> Not fake, like it, they scored the goals. <laughs> but the chances Barcelona had created... Barcelona had an extra of 2.7 by the end of like the first half and Wolfsburg needed to change something at half-time to stop Barcelona creating those chances again and they didn't and they couldn't. And so then, obviously, Barcelona scored. And I mean, they conceded the exact same goal twice, basically.
0: It would be interesting to get into the head of the Barcelona players to know that if once they went 2-0 down, they were thinking I mean, it's happening it to them yeah. again.
1: I would be like, what the fuck? And there are there lots of teams who I think would have just crumbled. Like if Chelsea had been in that scenario, I have no doubt that Chelsea would have just crumbled. Um, but I guess the only thing is, is maybe they just, maybe they knew that the chances they were creating were good enough that they would get more opportunities but it was like when Irena Paredes missed the header at the back post like the free header at the back post I was just like surely not because like they're they're just the moments where you're like you have to score like you have to score there Um, but obviously it was fine Patrick Guiaro
0: to the rescue Yeah well I want to just flip back to last year's final because of that deja vu element and the fact that Barcelona were just bulldozed by Leon in that first half, and then even though they were trying to get back into it, 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 they just couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't find a way back in. But in this game, you've already talked about the chances that were there, but the fact that they trusted themselves, and I think it was Lucy Ward on comms, reflected as as Patry's first goal went in, saying. Barcelona couldn't play as badly as they did in the first half. So in that way, you knew that as soon as things did click, it was that, that comeback was going to come. And that momentum shift happened so quickly in the second half.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a bit like outcome bias to say that Barcelona played awfully in the first half. I think... Like, I don't think they were great. I don't think they were, like, the best Barcelona I've ever seen. But you don't generate the volume of chances they created by playing badly. And it wasn't even just, like, the, the amount of balls that they, like, zipped across the penalty area. Um, and there was just no one there to get on the end of it because they were playing Mariona as his false nine, which I kind of thought was a weird choice. Um, but, like, I thought they were good, gen- generally. Um, I didn't feel like Wolfsburg were restricting them. It's just that Wolfsburg scored... like, okay, the first goal is a Lucy Bronze error and then a fantastic finish from Payor, and who I thought was great. Um, and then the second one is just like, wow, Alex Pop. Um, but again, it kind of comes from this like individual battle, right, where she pushes Mappy over um, or like wins that duel, I guess. So But even in that half, I just thought Barcelona still had so much. And I guess maybe the biggest difference between that half, the first half and last year, versus the second half, is that last year, Selma Basher kept Caroline Graham-Hansen on lock for the entire game. In fact, the only time Caroline Graham-Hansen got free from Basher was for the Barcelona goal last year, um, where she cuts it back for Alexia. Um, And then in the second half, that's like what felt like changed. It was just like... CGH found, they found her more, they found her more directly and she found space. Um, obviously, the first goal comes from her kind of playing a one-two with herself around <laughs> Um And as soon as CGH was free, it just felt like, it felt like that was like a reminder to Barcelona that they they were really good. Um and it just felt like that was like a weight lifted off them because I think she is just such an important player for them. Like you look at the both the goals against Chelsea in, in the semifinal, a game where, you know, they created a lot less than they did in, in this final, even over 180 minutes. Um, but she was still the person who like when she got free, she scored. OK, she didn't like score on this occasion, but like she is just so crucial to everything they want to do. Um but I think the other big shift was, and maybe this is just sums up the differences that Jonathan Geraldes looks at the situation and he made changes, like he switched Mariona and Salma Paroelo, which I think made a big difference. Um, he was be able to bring, he was bringing on different players, shifting things, and it just felt like Tommy Stroot, even though they had this two-goal lead, didn't know how to preserve it, didn't know what to change. I mean, obviously there was this whole weird thing where Barca are bringing uh, J C on and wolfsburg have lena lapvine ready to come on and for some reason wolfsburg didn't make their sub at the same time and but in that period barcelona get the third and it's a whole cock up from the the wolfsburg defense and i just think at 2-0 up at half time Stroot i don't know whether he just didn't believe that they would be 2-0 up at half time which is fair enough <laughs> uh in some senses but also i feel like as a manager you need to be like okay you need to have watched that first half and said, "We can't give up the number of chances that we've had." In the second half, we want to preserve this lead. We need to change something, and he he couldn't change anything. He didn't, and it was like he was putting his defenders under so much stress. It, then the like kind of chaos on the third goal is is a direct result of the pressure you've been put under for that like previous seventy minutes or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about what Wolfsburg did really well. For those first two goals, though, because we knew that they were going to be physical and they were going to be aggressive, and that's how they get those two goals. And we said going into this that targeting Barcelona's fullbacks was where they might get some joy. That mistake from Lucy Bronze gives them that opportunity, and it just felt like they their, their aggression was so impressive. But it was the way that you can't, you couldn't really sort of see how they could hold out because it is such a taxing way to play, and with that aggression, then you do leave yourself so open and so susceptible to Barcelona getting on the ball and splitting you open and playing quick transition, and I think Wolfsburg it's almost like they couldn't do two things at once. They couldn't be aggressive but still contain what Barcelona had. So then, like you say, Jesse, it's how do you manage that situation once once you're in it to say, yeah, because you look at their front line and you look at Pop and you think, yeah, those players can get the better of that whole Barcelona back line, I think. You know, Pop especially... Uh, Ewa Pajos had a a brilliant Champions League and she had two really good chances as well before Rolfo gets the third goal Uh, but at that point it feels like Wolfsburg were snatching they were sort of chasing a little bit and then it it just becomes a whole different game but we do have to give them credit for those first two goals and the way that they approach things and use the advantages that they had as well with Jens Dottier with the pace as well.
1: Yeah, and I think what Stroot was clever about was making that switch between Payal and Pop. And I think that did unsettle Barcelona. They didn't expect either Payal to be playing on the left. They didn't expect Pop to be playing up front. Um, I think there were some interesting lessons taken from Chelsea and Sam Kerr in terms of how many times Kerr was able to win aerial duels against and Paredes and like kind of knock on the ball. And it felt like Pop was looking to do something similar. I mean, yeah, I I, I did think Payal was great because... The, the goal is a fantastic finish, but the assist I think was was even more impressive. Like, how many teams can put their like striker on the left and then have have her put in a ball like that? Um, so yeah, I, but I think the the thing was, and you could see it early on, was they were putting a lot of bodies on the ball. So when they got on the ball, um, hoot, roared, Potpile, they were all moving up the pitch together. And like as I was watching, I was like, well, if Barcelona can turn the ball over, there's obviously going to be space here because they've they're moving so many players out of position. Um, you even had points where like Kathy Hendrick was like pushing up to press in midfield. Um, and I think that was, that was the problem is that when Barcelona were turning over the ball, as soon as they started playing more direct, there was loads of space for people to run into. Um, and I think that's what gave them the, that's what allowed them to sort of turn it around. And that's why I think, you know, it's it's tough against this Barcelona side. Like we saw with Chelsea, lots of people said Chelsea played way too conservative, Um and, like, I can understand that, but I think we saw a great example of uh, what happens if you kind of go for it more. Okay, they went to 0 up, but, like, ultimately they still lost and they, they probably could have lost by a lot more. And they effectively, okay, barring some of yeah, the chances towards the end, obviously there's, like, that corner right at the end as well, um, they took their only two real chances. And the problem is, is you have to have such a lucky day i think if you're going to play in that way against barcelona you have to rely on them missing a lot of chances and like we saw that against roma right the one the 1-0 one in the away leg um but barcelona could and should have scored six but roma also had chances in that game but like barcelona could and should have scored six and yeah i don't know like i guess maybe the 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 key is well the leon thing obviously it was leon and i think that helped that rattled them now they've had this comeback from 2-0 down i don't know if that's like mental blocks going to be there anymore but you know leon built up a bigger lead so maybe you have to like rely and and they just controlled the game a lot better i think i think you've you've really got to you've got to rely on your attackers taking their chances and you've got to be ready to like win those individual battles and Wolfsburg just don't. I said this before. I just don't think they've got the level of player who's going to be able to defend defend against Caroline Graham Hanson, for example, for ninety minutes.
0: Yeah, Leon had the depth that Wolfsburg don't have, especially defensively. Wolfsburg's defense have has been leaky the whole Champions League campaign, so I think it felt like it there was always something brewing, and they were going to be riding their luck a little bit. It was the midfield battles that they had to try and win, which they didn't quite manage to do. I want Becky to jump in and give us a little breakdown of what the atmosphere was like though when Barcelona went 2-0 down because it felt like a almost sort of shell-shocked. People couldn't believe it was happening. And the Wolfsburg bench as well when the cameras kind of panned over. I think they were pretty speechless as well because I didn't see it happening. So Becky, what was the atmosphere like in the stadium when that second goal went in?
2: It was just so much shock. Um like we all stood up and just like hands on mouths i think like we were really shocked when the first one went in so early obviously but i don't think we i don't think anybody expected them really to like then double their lead so it was just like i think actually every single goal um maybe apart from that barcelona first one everyone was just like gobs wide open like oh my god what is happening um so yeah and like i said earlier we were so far away from the barcelona fans and there was in in the kind of neutral section so we were actually like right next to the big group of Wolfsburg fans behind the goals so we were in a kind of neutral section which like as you can imagine was more Barcelona than not but it wasn't super rowdy um so yeah it was quite um all the neutrals I think were just stunned and then all the Barcelona fans in the neutral section were also stunned Um, so it was a really strange reaction Uh, but it was I mean, yeah, entertaining completely surprising and I like that, it was fun I, I mean, like we've said, I don't think there was like I don't think many people were like oh this is it for Barcelona, it's done they're over, so you kind of, I think, in the moment, like took it with a pinch of salt, like, this is crazy, but there's still a long way to go.
0: Yeah. So it was a hectic first half, a lot of shocked reactions there. But let's talk about Barcelona's mega comeback next. So, Jesse, you were watching in that start, that second half, thinking this was going to happen, right? The comeback was on. Well, yeah,
1: I did think, I mean, I did, <laughs> Nostradamus over here. I, well, I'm a bit annoyed because, and Zana can vouch for me for this. Um, wag
0: solidarity come on. Wag in. solidarity
1: because we were watching it together. Obviously, perfect anniversary weekend activity, <laughs> which she was delighted by. Um, I said, Alexia will come on and score the winner. Uh, and they'll win 3-2. But obviously, Alexia did come on, and they did win 3-2, but she didn't score the winner. So I was almost Nostradamus. Um, But I did feel like they were going to probably generate a huge amount of chances again, and it didn't feel like it was going to be sustainable for Wolfsburg. Um, I felt like they definitely would score. And again, unlike the Leon thing, like the 2-0 lead didn't feel big enough to truly worried them because you knew as soon as they got one well they'd certainly feel like they were in touching distance of at least putting it to extra time and yeah I think Geraldo's was clever in the way that he he swapped Salma and Mariana and I don't I don't understand the Mariana false 9 thing at all um I've asked other people they don't understand it if you understand it please DM me because <laughs> please I, write in I just want to understand um like I I, I I feel genuinely like I just must be missing something. Um, but I just love her so much more off the off the left and I felt like that helped Barcelona in the midfield. Um, it caused Wolfsburg more issues in terms of defending that like right hand side. It gave Rolfo more space. Um but yeah, as as soon as kind of that first Patrick goal went in, I was like this is just, they are going to just roll through this. Um, I didn't expect them to roll through it in exactly the same way a minute later um, and get the second goal. But yeah, and i I'd that's always been what is so threatening and scary about Barcelona as well, right? Is it's the ability of their midfielders to, uh, in, in some ways, like their front three. Okay, CGH, she's amazing. She's one of my favorites. But like, Mariana is very good but I don't think is always a player who you feel like is this incredible threat and Salma is 19 and she feels like she's 19 when you're watching her she's play she's very I raw. Think. yeah exactly um, but it, what's scary is it's it's Itana it's Patry it's Alexia when she's fit um, their ability to get into the box and And freak people out and I mean Spooky (laughs) It is and I don't quite understand how she was allowed to run unmarked into the box twice in two minutes Uh, but that's what Barcelona do and you know if it's not like them actually getting into the box it's Aitana being able to just stand on the edge of the box and fire shots off like I couldn't I don't know what she was doing, but she was just firing everything at Müller Fromms. But on another day, again, like she probably scores like one of those. She had like five shots where she like had so much time to like pick her pick her spot. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like a real like distillation of what Barcelona are good at in that it's like it's the midfield that kills you, like even not even just by controlling the game, by getting in the box and scoring.
0: Yeah, they, they they just break you down and and not actually in a kind of football perspective, but mentally, I think, is is just how they work you because it is so relentless and you just have to be hyper focused all the time. And I think that's what people don't necessarily maybe always consider when you watch a Barcelona team or a traditional sort of Spanish side, is that the possession and the chances they create will just drain you. And that is what makes it so hard is because, yes, they've got immense ability all around the park, but it's just having to be that focused for so long is really fucking difficult. Um, I want to talk about the the, the the timing in which they get that goal, though, because it felt like that the goal had to come in the first, five minutes really of the start of the of the second half to really ensure that Barcelona could ride that wave and really take the momentum with them and then they obviously get two quite quickly and then you think okay yeah it's it's on now
1: yeah I think um me and Zam sorry I don't know why I'm just narrating my whole conversation with my (laughs) girl I know me and Zam were saying oh like it when it went in, when it went to half time, like oh, we really felt like they should have scored just before half time. But I mean, to come back in the second half is probably the best way to do it. I'm convinced Emma Hayes was on the phone in that dressing room because she was realizing Chelsea were going to have to go and play in <laughs> somewhere random in Europe to go through it, Champions League qualifying. Isn't it
0: so weird though, because of that whole situation with if Wolfsburg won the Champions League, boss, Chelsea would have to go through qualifying, right? But isn't it funny because. Barcelona have almost been Emma Hayes' nemesis ever since that final that Chelsea lost and have almost kind of been living in a But Wolfsburg
1: are the OG Chelsea European nemesis. So So it felt fitting that they could have fucked us over.
0: That would always trump any kind of bad, evil energy that Barcelona
1: could have. Personally, like I respect Barcelona and they're a horrible team to play, but Wolfsburg just... (laughs) <laughs> they make me feel ill like yeah no
0: but they so Barcelona do end up saving Chelsea's skin give them a bit more holidays and pre-season as well because obviously meaning they don't need to go through that qualification but yes something something had to change and it had to happen quite quickly in that second half but it's the second Patri goal that felt like a moment I know Rolfo's third goal is the winner, right? But that second Patrick goal just felt like this is, I don't know, it's just the celebration, the way it happened. I think the comms, you know, was was really good as well. And the reactions, it just felt like, it felt like a real like montage clip. This is what we're gonna see on the DAZN highlights or whatever, or on Twitter for a very long time. I don't think I'll remember Rolfo's goal because it was well, such calamity and yeah, it wasn't you nice. You don't want that. It wasn't a, pretty. Should be
1: fair. The Rolfo goal, she hits it so well. Like mm. she puts it in such a nice position in the goal. Um, but yeah, the the battery second goal I think one there's just this hilarious thing where you're like I, I was like imagining it I was like god imagine score and you're not a striker like imagine scoring two goals in the Champions League final in like two minutes how insane must that feel and Patrick's like face like she's <laughs> yeah. just like she can't believe it either and then I also felt like it was a really nice distillation of Barcelona's season because obviously Patrick spent the season playing as an eight with Kira Walsh as a six even though She's really a six, and in my opinion, probably a better six than than Walsh is. Um, But for her to kind of be able to therefore be getting forward even more than she would normally, as we reach the end of a season where she's played that role and Alexia's coming back into the team and we're going to presumably see this midfield that's been kind of newly minted throughout the season of Itana Patry and Kira broken up or refigured or rotated so it just felt like there was a real like nice flourish to Barcelona's whole season and this version of Barcelona we've seen by by Patry scoring both those goals
0: Becky it looked amazing on the telly for that Patri second goal but tell us what it was like in the stadium as well
2: uh, again I had the unfortunate experience of being at the end opposite the Barcelona fans and opposite all of the goals so just it was like there was some fun vibes in our end there was a lot of Barcelona fans but also it was just like like absolutely unbelievable that the the rest of us were just sat there like this I can't believe this is happening I mean I can I could believe it was happening because it's Barcelona but like the nature in which that comeback started is just crazy um so yeah the the You could see from far away that everybody was going mental. I've watched it back since and seeing like... Because there was quite a big gap between... Not not like a full Olympic kind of track gap between the goal and the stands. But there was like a big enough gap that you can see people like running out of their seats into that gap. And that does look... It did look like very good vibes. Um, But over in our end, everybody was just stunned. Also, we were right in the sun. So I think everybody was just like kind of out of it like what it's so boiling where we've sat and they've just scored two in two minutes like what is happening what is going on where am i
0: jesse we mentioned earlier the chaos that leads to that third goal because Wolfsburg stop it's a throw barcelona make their substitution walsberg look like they're about to make theirs too Doesn't happen. No one's set. And then it's just, honestly, it was like one of those kind of footballer's worst gaff moments because everyone falls over or is running and not knowing they're doing. Who is it that kicks the ball into someone else? Was it Janssen hoops the ball into into someone and then it bounces? It was just, honestly, it couldn't have been more calamitous. Well, it's
1: because... Mariona Mariana then also like air kicks the ball. I think that's what's so funny. It's like Wolfsburg fuck up and Barcelona fuck up. It's just so messy. And you know that tweet that was going around Twitter by the person who put the Lucy Bronze mistake and was like, lol, this is women's football. I'm just annoyed on that. Like, I don't know if they are annoyed as well. I'd like to know from that person who just put the misogynistic tweet up. But like, that goal is surely the one that you would pick out as being like lol women's football yeah, the obviously, worst one. obviously don't because it's just football and we've seen loads of people do stupid things but like the Lucy Bronze one I was like whatever like players have the ball like nicked off them all the time and then it's a fantastic finish that one was I was like this is like pure comedy chaos and that is Wolfsburg's defence isn't it really <laughs> yeah so. well, exactly
0: they've been like that all champions league but it was a it was a f- It was a funny and obviously rubbish way to lose a Champions League final in in those sorts of circumstances, you have to say.
1: Well, yeah. And also because if you're playing Barcelona, you're like, oh, I'm, you know, ready to see them do this amazing, beautiful passing (laughs) that I just couldn't do anything about. And it's like, no, everyone like kicked the ball at each other, fell over, (laughs) Barcelona missed it. And then like Fridolina Rolfo just had to come in and be like, guys, I'm going to take charge and put it in the back of the net. I'm just going to hit
0: it as hard as I can and see what happens. Yeah. And it, it it felt probably for her a nice moment as well because her Barcelona career has kind of been a bit frustrating in many ways because, I mean positionally, right. not in general, <laughs> but she's had to play in a position that she's not, you know, it's not her position, but she's done very well playing there. So it's quite nice, I think, for her to score a goal in the Champions League final and almost kind of, the recognition and everyone loves her i'm not saying she's not respected but i think it is an amazing contribution to score yeah. in a champions league final when you've spent mo- the majority of your career at the club playing in a position because you've had to you know yeah
1: I, and i mean it, it is interesting because i feel like if you ask a lot of barcelona fans now they they would say it's become a bit of like a unnecessary asterisk because they see her as being so good at a left back and to be fair to her, like you know, we we've said that that Barcelona's fullbacks are maybe their weakness. I think Rolfo's weakness is less about her ability, but about the fact that she likes to push up and their space in behind. Whereas maybe Bronze's weakness is kind of what we saw um, for that first Wolfsburg goal. But yeah, like she's she's obviously a fantastic player. Um, I like she, I think she's looked really really good uh, for Barcelona, and it is it is interesting mm-hmm. because I thought at the Euros, like, I really enjoyed watching her play further up the pitch again. And it's always been a bit of a question mark for me of, you know, will Barcelona try and sign a left back? They brought in Nuria Rabano from Sociedad, but, like, it hasn't really worked out for her. Like, she hasn't really been at the level they've required. And that's why Rolfo stayed there. I still think I would love to see Rolfo in in this Barcelona team higher up the pitch. Um, I think she, she would be amazing. But, yeah, she she's shown that she can do both and like I'm kind of with the Barcelona fans who feel like there shouldn't be really question marks anymore like I, I just genuinely think she's good enough to play it at, at fullback or um or higher up the pitch I mean I guess maybe there's still a question of like if you're a team who doesn't if she was playing in a team who doesn't control the ball as much as Barcelona have would she struggle um but I don't know like defensively she does feel like decent Um,
0: well she's her her ability is at such a level that she can adapt so well mm. and yes there's going to be space in behind and there's always going to be that weakness but she's big and she's strong so she can kind of make up for that in other ways as well and I think she reads the game so well that actually when you look at her compared to bronze she feels so much more malleable um, because she's got that versatility
1: also if Barcelona were worried about like the space in behind or Rolf's ability to kind of track back they wouldn't push Mappy up as high. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could play with much more set centre-backs than they do, but they basically kind of leave Paredes and Bronze lower down the pitch to allow Mappy and Rolfo to push up higher up the pitch and... And it, it works for them. Um, and yeah, I guess also kind of a funny moment. She didn't hold back on celebrating, but she obviously is a former Wolfsburg player as well. I did see someone post pictures of CGH, Rolfo and Ingrid Engen in like their Wolfsburg kits as like being like lol revenge. And it reminded me of, you know, the meme where there's like the two really strong dragons. And this <laughs> silly one.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen the Wolfsburg pic, but you've got to make that. We'll get Becky to put it on the counter yeah. feed. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I also want to talk about Rolfo's little celebration at the uh, parade. Was it really a parade? It was more kind of like a presentation in Barcelona because there was a great mix of Spanglish, English, Spanish, and Rolfo just didn't even bother. She was like, Guys, I'm just going to speak in English, okay? And everyone's voices were so gone because they'd obviously be going hard the night before. So everyone was croaky and sounded really funny and was trying to sing all these songs and could barely get any words out. But yeah, it does feel like she has become so loved amongst the fan base which is also it's not that easy when you've got so many cult heroes there girls who are from you know from Catalonia or you know part of the Spanish national team or whatever so the fact that she has become so beloved from the Barcelona fans is actually really nice when you kind of think about her place there as well but we have to talk about Alexia though Jesse we mentioned in our preview pod that you know, she probably wouldn't start. And in the end, Barcelona didn't even eat her. And she just got a kind of ten minute glory run around after her name had been chanted for like twenty minutes, just warming up. And it was almost this procession, like, yeah, just chuck Alexia on for a nice little bit at the end. it was It was a a, a nice way from a sort of Barcelona and neutral point of view to crown the whole the whole day, really,
1: yeah. Two things about this. Firstly, I was like, <laughs> How embarrassing for Wolfsburg that, like, the game feels gone to such an extent that with, like, 10 minutes left of the final, they're putting Alexia on as, like, a...
0: I, like song.
1: I, I don't think she'd have come on if, like, Wolfsburg were already go- going for it. I know she's played more, but, like, Geraldo said after the Chelsea game, right, like, they didn't want to put Alexia on. And that would have been her first game back, but, like, the, the level, like, the intensity was too much. Um, and the fact that she came on so late made me think they were worried about something similar, but that, yeah, they were just able to bring on like a ceremonial player basically. So she could say she played in it. Other thing that cracked me up, <laughs> Leanne, Leanne Sanderson on zone being like, Alexia, she's been warming up for like 60 minutes. And I was like, Leanne, like you were a football player. That's what you have to do. You have to like carry on warming up. So you stay warm from your original warm-up. It was like she just she it was like she thought Alexia had invented the concept of warming <laughs> up. Um, but I was like, why is this I hey, those like pitch side reporters are such weird drops anyway, but I was like, this is a very strange It's very
0: say what you see and I and it's easy (laughs) And she saw
1: Alexia warming up. It's it's
0: easy to get lost in the say what you see vibes. But I think I think the point Leanne was trying to make is that the fans had been calling her name for ages while during the warm-up, so it was almost like when is she going to come on? Because she's been warming up for so long. Like for God's sake, just put the girl on the pitch. Right. She's so ready to go. Okay, yeah. As in, like
1: you knew she was going to come on because she wasn't just sat in a tracksuit for the yeah, whole game. Yeah, exactly.
0: Is is if she wasn't going to come on, she wouldn't have been warming up so relentlessly. Yeah. Whereas there's players you know who get named in the squad just because they're on the way back from injury, but are never going to get near the pitch. Yeah. She had played. She was ready to come on, but I think it was almost like just teasing the fans. Like Alexia is here, guys.
1: <laughs> Don't worry. We know. You you want to see her? I feel like they would have chanted her name even if she hadn't been there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I also really enjoyed that shot of her when they were 2-0 down and it looked like she was about to burst into tears and murder someone. <laughs> Did you see that?
0: She does have that look during the Euros yeah. when they kept panning to just her. was so because stony she, face. She stayed in the tournament for, for so long after she got injured and they just kept panning to her all the time just looking so grumpy as you would be You'd be fuming. But yeah, it was um, it was nice to obviously see her, and she she was part of the, the the presentation as well. Did a little speech in Barcelona, although couldn't tell you what she said because I understand zero Spanish. But I did watch all the clips. <laughs> there were some very good clips from that. Uh, but I, I, we, I want really to say a penny for Jill World's thoughts. Have we seen <laughs> any reaction from? She cried. I didn't see that. Yeah, she cried or, or, during the trophy presentation. I just
1: saw her, like, walking with Tommy Street and she was crying. Right. Because we obviously talked about... There was about, discourse about that. There
0: was... Oh, about the crying?
1: Oh, well, about whether we were allowed to laugh at her crying.
0: Right, okay. What's your take? <laughs> Are you pro <laughs> or against crying, at, laughing at people crying? I'm sorry, Jill, but I am always <laughs> pro laughing at Jill Roth. I do think there is something uh, a little sort of you live by the sword, you die by the sword vibes to it. Agreed. Because...
1: I wouldn't laugh at like someone who was genuinely upset. I'm just like, sorry, you came out with all this like big chat about how you wanted to play for Barcelona. You were then pretty fucking anonymous in the game. Um, like if that was your audition, like I don't think it's going to happen. And then I'm like, well, yeah, sorry, like. It- I don't know. If she was at my club, I wouldn't want her at my club. Um, I think you're allowed to be taking the piss out of if you've, if you've done that before it was, the game.
0: It was bad vibes because we talked about the interview she did before the game about how she wants to play for Barcelona. It's her dream club, blah, blah, blah. And then Tommy Street was asked about it and he basically said, yeah, I know this girl. She always says stuff like that. Like she used to say that all the time. So... I don't think she's covered herself in tons of glory and it'll be interesting to see what move she makes next because it's probably not gonna be Barcelona, but she doesn't look like she's staying at Wolfsburg either, so Jill Hun let's know. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I just had to I had just had to bring that up really. But it's yet another Champions League defeat for Wolfsburg. They have won two Champions League, but their reputation now is just much more of a Always the bridesmaid, never the, the bride. the 2019
1: World Cup. And, you know, I think about...
0: Life's different. <laughs> Life's different, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the format of the competition has changed a lot as well. It's much harder, I think, to win now than it ever has been with the group stages and the fact that it's such an elite group that make those group stages. So where did they go from here? Because that's four defeats in the final and two Champions League titles pre the group stage revolution, it's going to be, I think, hard to see. I mean, they're always going to be a threat because they're Wolfsburg and they have fantastic pedigree and they always recruit well and they always have big names and big players. But Alex Pop is someone who I'm thinking, when I saw her got get that runners-up medal and the look on her face, I really felt for her because I want her to move now and just... Like, I just feel like, I feel sorry for her. I feel like she's trapped. <laughs> I don't know why. It just, yeah, that, uh, maybe I'm being too uh, too harsh, but. Well, I don't know. I just
1: feel like I'm not, I'm not a Stroot fan at all. Um, I think.
0: Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that from your rhetoric on
1: the last three shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry to that person who said it was what? embarrassing and upsetting what do they say oh, your, what we what we said about Wolfsburg yeah. they weren't happy I yeah. thought we
0: gave you know we, we said they'd be I good. thought it was a fair
1: analysis and anyway yeah. they lost so clearly I was right um, <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when they were 2-0 off I was like god I look stupid
0: um, I was also like god, you're going back deleting your tweets I do that sometimes when it happens you're like whoop let me delete that I was also
1: like oh my god are Chelsea the like worst team in the world because we're the only team who can't thrash Barcelona <laughs> but it's fine they won um No, I think, like, that squad is so talented, apart from in defence. They need to buy defenders, in my opinion. Um, And I just don't think the way the squad is used gets the best out of them. And I did think, like, how Stroot set up was interesting. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, But it didn't feel sustainable. And I'm just like, to not even bring Eula Brand on, like, it, it just you've got these players, these options at your disposal and it, it felt like, I don't know whether you just wanted to keep John Stottier on because of a long throw, but at some point you've like, just got to throw everything at the Bar- at Barcelona. Like, it it was only 3-2 in the same way that Barcelona were 2-0 down. Like, you only had to score once to um, force extra time and it was just like, just like bringing Paulina Bremer on. I was like, Okay, like I know she scored the goal that sent them to the final, but Brown was the one who like created it and yeah, I I'm just surprised that there's not I guess maybe getting to the Champions League final going to to up against Barca like looks good, but the the path they had to the Champions League final was about as easy one as as you can get, you know, like I know Roma are good and and Roma in their group, but the other two teams were like really poor. Um they played Paris Saint-Germain who was so average. Um, and they made that look like pretty hard work, to be honest. Then they had to face an Arsenal team who pushed them to extra time, even though they had like four players. So I'm just like, yes, you got to a Champions League final, but did you do it that impressively? Like last year when Barcelona lost Champions League final, I felt like, okay, but Barcelona were probably still the best team in the competition, even though they lost a one-off game. There was no way I would say that, again, about Wolfsburg. Like, I don't even feel like they were the fourth best team in the Champions League this year. And then they also just massively fluffed their lines in the league. They could have put Bayern Munich under real pressure, but they just like go to pieces against Eintracht. And like Eintracht are a good team as well. But to just totally collapse like that, it just amazes me that because they won the Pokal there's and got to a Champions League final, that people with eyes aren't like,
0: this team just doesn't feel like as good as it should. They followed through with their local trophy presentation as well, just with the Pokal. And even though, obviously, that had been planned for hopefully bringing home the Champions League trophy, they still pressed ahead. And the admin translation was quite funny. It It said, ''We haven't got the pot.'' But we, why were
1: you pressing translate? You should be practicing your German. I
0: know, but um, there are a few words I didn't know. But it said huh. we, yes, we didn't can. get the pot, but <laughs> we're still celebrating this amazing team. Oh. Uh, but yeah, there is something funny about them because it's not. It's almost a reverse Chelsea, right? We've spoken this season about Chelsea not being at their best, but still finding a way to win. Wolfsburg haven't been at their best, but still sometimes find a way to win and often find a way to lose. That's that's the sense that I get out of this team. And because of that individual quality, and Man City sometimes maybe, maybe can be like this too, is you get a sense of kind of like fake it till you make it. Vibes where that individual quality of Pajor, of Alexandra pop of Jonsdorff, Jonsdorff, like Oberdorf Eulabrand all those all that phenomenal quality will somehow see you through anyway but it with a team that's better coached and more organized even with Arsenal with no players who were both of those without the, the you know the individual quality that they desperately needed like Arsenal were very close. Also, they to make away, it to a Champions League final. They threw away another two 0 lead.
1: Like, okay, obviously they also did eventually go through, but they were two 0 up in that first. I'm like, they've got no ability to control games, and I just think in knockout football that that doesn't always have to matter, but it's not a mark of being a good team for me.
0: And it's also interesting that they can't control games when they have. Arguably one of the most exciting young defensive midfielders in women's football right now, and that you know she would have the support around her to control those games because you know that's that's what you bought her for and that's what she can do so well. But it's like she's got no support to play that role and to have a midfield partner there to help her do her job. Right? It is it is hard, I think, when they when they've had Lena Lapvine out, and I do think
1: she makes a difference. Like, but again, I'm just like. Playing Jill Roard slash Vanja Hoot as like eights slash sort of in a double pivot with a ten, depending on the game. Slash playing Alex Pop there. I don't know. Like none of those combinations feel like they've they've worked. And like it is hard when players get injured and you can't you can't use the the players you want. Um, but part of coaching and managing is is finding finding different solutions. And I just think Stroots' attempts at that have been. Pretty disappointing.
0: Let's talk about Barcelona because after that win against Chelsea, the rhetoric was a lot about how they might go on to create a dynasty and challenge Leon for the number of titles. They'd lose in shock style in the final to Leon last year. They were pretty rocky at times. you know they they made it through in this final. But do you think we are going to see, a repeat next season do we think Barcelona are going to be able to really get a hold on this on this uh, competition or do you think that a team can push them all the way again next year
1: I don't think we'll ever see a level of dominance that Leon had because I just think the playing field is the game has changed so even. much since
0: then right I think it's really hard to see that someone can just spend as much money as they did and control control the the market and the, the technical ability and the quality of players so much you just i think that would be really hard to do but do you see barcelona getting two in a row at least
1: yeah d- definitely like i think i think barcelona have been the best team in europe for the past 3 years like there there is no doubt in my mind around that um they're very very good and they're very good even with the kind of caveats that we've talked about that they don't have a prolific striker really that they play with a converted left winger as a left back you know they're they're not a what's impressive i guess in some ways is they've got this incredible creation of talent lots of which is is homegrown as we've talked about um and it's not a situation like leon where they just bought the best player in each position and i'm not saying that a shade to leon like i think good for them like they were paying players when they weren't getting paid and that's how they could persuade them to to go and play there but it does feel different um but I do think what happens with with all good teams is that the more people see them and the more they see how they play people start to come up with kind of different solutions like even for example Stroot using pop to win those aerial jewels, which felt like like had been directly taken from how Kerr was able to do it um Again, that's not me, me being shady. Like that's what you should do, like as a coach. And I think we're starting to see different versions of game plans, which do put Barcelona under more pressure. You know, I think uh, it it wasn't pretty, but Chelsea did very, very well in terms of how they they defended against Barcelona. Okay, can a team take what Chelsea did and maybe add something a bit more attacking to that, like tweak it to like get more chances on goal? Maybe Chelsea could do that. Um, so. I think like I could see them winning the Champions League next year they'll certainly be favorites too justifiably so but I do think it'll be interesting to see how teams adapt and change and you know I think something that also is going to be interesting is they won't be playing at the Camp Nou next year for the, the knockout stages and there's obviously going to be um shifts and changes like that and I've always felt like Camp Nou in in these recent knockout stages has been a massive, massive boost to them. And they have struggled a bit more in away games. So is there again a version where even in a two-legged game, a team could do, say what Wolfsburg did, go ahead early on and actually hold on to that lead. Um, So yeah, like in conclusion, they're the best team in Europe. They're favourites to win it next year, but I don't think it's impossible to see someone beating.
0: In this essay, I will. (laughs) Uh, There's a big summer ahead and Chelsea have already made a couple of exciting moves, but... On, as we're in Champions League mode now, Chelsea don't have to go through the qualifications. Woo! I know it's early to call, but do you see them being able to get to a final next season? They did really well under the circumstances to lose to Barcelona in a semi-final, but do you see them getting, being able to recreate the 2021 energy?
1: We tend to go one good year, one terrible year, so we're due a terrible year, I think. Oh. Um, <laughs> but no, obviously, I think, I think Chelsea... Um, the signings look like they're going to be probably one of Chelsea's best windows for a very long time and they're strengthening obvious areas which need strengthening. Um, So I think they'll have a good shot. I think Bayern Munich could be interesting as well. Obviously, they're adding Ericsson and Harder, uh, both of whom have shown that in those really big games that they can come up clutch, something that maybe I feel like Bayern has limited Bayern uh, in the past. Um, Arsenal, obviously as players come back they've again shown that they've got this very impressive mentality when it comes to to knockout games um i think there are lots of teams who who look really good and i think also this is like the benefit of of having group stages and giving teams the chance to play more of these high level games is you're seeing lots of teams develop and get better and lots of teams who've played each other regularly and i think that that is also like a big Factor, you know, I felt like Chelsea obviously, when they reached the final, like overcame lots of things, like around beating Wolfsburg, um, who when they'd struggled in the past, and equally, you know, Chelsea had lost Leon in the past, and all right. It was a very unique way to, uh, to get past them this year in the quarterfinal. But again, like all of those experiences start to add up for teams. And I think that's that's what creates a more even playing field. And I think that's what makes the competition more exciting.
0: For sure. Uh, Jesse. that's all we got time for today. We will be back on Thursday because that is our end of season awards special. It was very fun doing that one. So make sure you listen because it is extremely chaotic as well. So expect a few surprises. Expect a few laughs. Uh, But yeah, for now, we will be taking a little break after Thursday's show. We're going to be taking some rest and recovery before the World Cup, where, of course, we're going to be here filling you in on everything that's going down. Some of it's going to be from Oz. Some of it's going to be from London. We're going to be mixing and matching. We're also going to be dropping a few specials. So please keep your ears posted, keep your eyes peeled on our feed. But yes, this is our last studio show. We'll be back on Thursday with the End of Season Awards special before a short break, but... Thank you for all your listens over the season. We've really enjoyed bringing you our first season of Counterpressed. And this is not the last. A big World Cup summer ahead. So thanks for listening. We'll see you all soon.